Special thanks to all our patrons who support the show every single week. We couldn't do it without you. Head over to patreon.com slash run, eat, drink podcast and subscribe today for bonus content, exclusive happy hour live chats and more. Patrons, you help keep the run, eat, drink podcast going. And we're so grateful for you. Not a patron yet? Join us today at patreon.com slash run, eat, drink podcast. Help support the show by using our Amazon affiliate link. Anytime you shop on Amazon for running gear, food, beverages, or anything else the little gray trucks might bring your way. Just use runeatdrink.net slash Amazon anytime you shop. It costs nothing extra. It's only one extra click, and it helps us keep the lights on and the bandwidth flowing. Just go to runeatdrink.net slash Amazon, and we thank you for your support. Hello, everyone. This is Dave McGilvery, and you're listening to the Run eat drink podcast welcome to the run eat drink podcast we feature destination races from across the country and after the race we take you on a tour of the best local food and beverage to celebrate so whether you are an elite runner or a back of the packer like us you'll know the best places to accomplish, explore, and indulge on your next runcation. Hey, welcome to episode 274 of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. I'm your host, Amy. And I'm your co-host, Dana. We know you were expecting a Disneyland recap. Yeah, I think that it's a safe assumption that in the week following the trip out to the West coast, Uh people would hear that in the feed, but we are throwing you a bit of a curveball this week. We are. I see what you did there because our very special guest had the ultimate dream of playing second base. Yes. Although not a lot of second basemen throw curveballs and in baseball. Yes. Well, that would be a pitcher. Yes. I get it. But it didn't really work. It's an extended okay. metaphor. Okay, fine. It just didn't. It's, it didn't work. It totally. Uh-huh. Worked. We are going to bring you our Disneyland recaps. Yes, but we could not help when the opportunity presented itself to bring back on our show just an amazing human being. And an inspiration to me every time I see him interviewed on, he was on, what, 60 Minutes. He has been, he has been the subject of a documentary about mm-hmm. the Boston Marathon. And as much as about the, the race itself, the year after the bombing, and coming back Boston strong, it's just as much how he logistically executed that comeback race. Yes. And of course, we are talking about our friend, friend of the show, and running luminary, Dave McGilvery. Yes. The, the gentleman whose voice you heard at the show open introducing our show and this is the second time we've had him on and i will tell you why he last year after we had our interview with him i reached out to him and said hey we're doing this auction to raise money for the donna foundation i know you are the original charity runner do you think you might donate from your library of books that you have authored some autographed books to our auction. And he said, yes, not only last year, but this year. And he said, hey, I'll even come on the show and I'll talk about being a charity runner and talk a little bit about those auction items. And just, and of course, the bonus is every story that comes out of his mouth is inspiration, could be a a quote on a wall. Oh, yeah with a runner crossing a finish line or at a particularly gritty moment in a race. I just, it's 
so this interview is not only about the auction items that he has donated yet again to our auction online to benefit the Donna Foundation. It's, I think it's an inspiring chat for your long run. Absolutely. And if you've seen the Boston movie and Mm. you know anything about the story, you know, he is just an amazing individual and Mm. we are so fortunate to be able to call him a friend and a friend of the show you it, love that, don't you? Uh, well, he, he is just that inspiring. Yeah. And getting to talk with him again was just so much fun. So that's really going to be the crux of this week's episode is that interview. It is. So it is. we do get to talking a little bit about food and drink in the course of the interview. But this is really all about Dave McGilvery and the fact that he was nice enough to help us be charity runners. Mm-hmm. for our upcoming uh, trip to the Donna Marathon weekend. The one shout out that I want to give is just to say thank you. To Dave McGilvery. Of course. Yes. For doing this interview on such short notice and for donating not one, not two, not three, but four items to our auction. Yes. So thank you, Dave, for being just an amazing human being, like we said at the show open. And we are so excited to get people bidding on those items and helping us raise money for the Donna Foundation. If you would like a shout out for you or someone else you love on the show, email us at info at runeatdrink.net. That's info at runeatdrink.net. Or you can give us a call and leave us a message. It's just like a 30-second voicemail. And we could make you Runcation Nation famous at 941-677-2733. That's 941-677-2733. And without further ado, here is our conversation with the one, the only, Dave Dave McGilvery. We are proud and excited to welcome back to our show, the running luminary, like you like to say, Mm -hmm. it's Dave McGilvery. Welcome back to our show. A running luminary. Yeah, I'm going to put that up on my wall. I <laughs> Thank you. I'm well, flattered and I appreciate that. You're a pioneer. You are, you have paved the way for so many things in running and for, and done so much for runners of all kinds, including back of the pack runners like us. And, and now you're supporting our efforts to raise funds for the Donna Foundation and their mission to finish breast cancer. And we cannot mm-hmm. thank you enough. For doing that for us like like i always say that when we give we receive even more in return so it isn't just a one-way arrangement here it's both sides are benefiting from philanthropy and that's the way i've lived my life from the from a little kid to now and and i'll continue to do that and we hope more people will take a page from your book dave when you go to his website DaveMcGilvery.com, which we're going to link to in the show notes. Of course. You're greeted with a YouTube video (laughs) Mm -hmm. that starts to tell you a little bit of the story of the hard work and dedication of this man. The first ever charity runner. The very first ever charity runner that that we can prove scientifically. So I'm going to tell you, last time we had him on the show, we talked about his book. Let me just ask you this. Your book, The Last Pick... Mm-hmm. You narrate that on audio somewhere like Audible or Apple Books or someplace like that? Have I? Yes. No, I actually haven't yet. Um, oh. I have narrated my children's books, but oh. not my my autobiography yet. It's oh. not a bad idea. Because <laughs> I think that on a long run, well, on any yeah. long run, let's just be totally frank. It would be, it's so engaging mm-hmm. and it is just inspiring. And each story you tell in your autobiography teaches specific lessons. So yes. I think it would be great to hear it. I just wanted to put it out there just. Thank you. 
<laughs> people about. ask me all the time they say what's your book about my rhetorical answer is it's about the person reading it in other words uh, I just think that everyone can identify with a lot of things that I went through in my life and mm. as they're reading it they can I can see people nodding their heads the whole time saying yep. that happened to me that happened to me I understand that I've been there before so no one's better than anyone else. We're all in this thing called life together. We all have ups and downs, highs and lows. No one's immune. And it's just a matter of how you process these things. And, and that's what the hopefully the book kind of shows a little bit. And I think you demonstrate how we all have choices and how we deal with adversity because you had that very first moment in your life where you wanted more than anything to be an athlete. Yeah. And you could have given up, but you didn't. You chose to take a different path. Yeah. You should be my agent. You got <laughs> it down. <laughs> That's exactly it. I mean, not growing up in Boston, we were surrounded with professional sports, Red Sox and Celtics and Patriots and Bruins and on all the collegiate sports. It was just all around me. And so I I just admired and respected athletes because of the work, the discipline that they had to commit in order to make it to that level. And I said, someday that's going to be me. And I tried as hard as I could, but unfortunately, being the last pick, didn't give me that opportunity to play team sports. So I just went in a different direction. And I said, if I'm going to get cut from all these teams, then no one can cut me from running. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to make the most of that and set personal goals and do things that just prove to myself that I am good and I am an athlete. And here I am today, 69 years later, Having run 165,000 miles and 167 marathons and Boston 51 years in a row and nine Ironman triathlons and seven marathons, seven continents, seven days and blah, blah, blah. On it goes. <laughs> and just me, every day I wake up and say it's a gift. Don't mm. squander it. Make the most of it. And that's how I've lived my life. You also... so. It's not only just waking up and making the most of it with all of those types of races that you have been in, all those challenges you have done. What, why did running for a greater purpose? You talked about uh, just running as a sport that nobody can kick you out of running, but running for a greater purpose or running for those in need, why does that speak to you? Well, Initially, it was, to be transparent, running for myself. I wanted to prove to myself that I could accomplish things that maybe others maybe never could or wouldn't want to dare attempt. But when I set the goal of running across this continent, as I thought about it and as I was out on the road training for it, I kind of paused and I said, how am I going to run 45, 50 miles a day every day for three months? Like, I don't know that I can do it because I never have. And I'm not going to go run 40, 50 miles a day around my neighborhood to prove that I can run 40, 50 miles a day. I might as well go out there and do it. And I was working in the Hancock Tower in Boston at the time. And I looked out the window and I was just having a moment and then I saw Fenway Park and I saw a sign out in right field said, help make a dream come true, support the Jimmy Fund. And I had an idea that the Jimmy Fund was the official charity of the Red Sox and that it was about kids dealing with cancer. And I had an epiphany that that's the only way I'm going to be able to accomplish this is to align myself with uh, a greater purpose. And I went in, saw the kids in the clinic, and I knew at the time that the battle that I was about to fight by running over five and a half million footsteps across the continent was in no way as difficult as the battle that these kids are, kids are fighting for their own life. 
when it, it just put everything in perspective. And I said, when I'm out in the desert and it's 120 degrees or trying to run 14,000 feet over the Rocky Mountains or whatever, wherever I am, and it gets difficult, I'm just going to think back to those kids and what they're dealing with and just realize that they're having a more difficult time than I am and I need to be there for them. And I saw a sign in the clinic. And the sign said, God made only so many perfect heads. The rest of them have hair on it. And it, it just hit me that these kids have more guts and more courage than I'll ever have. But they're depending on us to be there for them and to help them help themselves. And so that's what I thought of all the way across America. And I just felt like we all have a responsibility and an obligation to help those who are less fortunate. And we're very fortunate to have our own health. I always thought of the Jimmy Fund almost like my health club because I would go there. And even though it was sad to see the kids fighting cancer, it ma made me stronger saying, if that's what they're going through, then I, I can get through this, whatever that challenge was of, that, of the day. And and so I was able to make it, ran into Fenway Park in front of 32,000 people. And it was the highlight of my athletic career. Amazing. Yeah. And what I want to know is, how did you take that transition from running for personal reasons to transition that into becoming a charity runner like how because but prior to you doing that wasn't a thing and we, we were joking at the show open about that but you're the first charity runner that mm -hmm. we can that's documented anyway and how does that happen I, it has happened to hundreds of thousands of people since right yeah. so what ends up happening is you know in the 70s and 80s running was all about even before that, of course, all about competition. It's just people, we just lined up and just wanted to bury each other in a sense of run hard. And it wasn't just about finishing. I just want to finish. We never said, I just want to finish. We said, I want to win or I want to beat the guy next to me. It was down and dirty, rock'em, sock'em, hard-nosed competition with no other purpose other than to beat as many people as possible across the finish line. That's what we did back then. And then a phenomenon occurred in our industry where the walls of intimidation crumbled mainly because of philanthropy, because people were hearing about their neighbor running to raise money for some sick kid in the neighborhood and running again for a greater purpose. And it became infectious. And that's what really grew our sport more than anything, in my opinion. In the 70s and 80s, races were like 400 people, 500 people maximum. And then all of a sudden in the 90s, when charities got involved and charity runners got involved and people, because they believed in, they started believing in themselves because they had a bigger reason to be there. And they weren't concerned about being embarrassed in terms of how they ran. They didn't run that fast or they were raising money and all of that. So and it, and it, and it just took off and it exists today. It's amazing. When you think about last year's Boston Marathon, I think we raised, I don't know, $42 million for all these different charities. Imagine how many lives were saved because of runners running in the marathon, raising critical funds. When mm. even marathon Boston is about the pursuit of athletic excellence, and 80% of those who run qualified, 20% of those who run didn't qualify. But they're just as important, if not a case can be made even more important <laughs> than everyone else because they have to work just as hard to cover the distance and train, but they're raising all this money too for other for greater purposes, like I said. So it's, it's it's pretty amazing when you think about what our sport has come to be. And I think that we can attest to seeing that through the Donna Marathon Weekend and through our fundraising efforts for the Donna Foundation, because there's nothing like being on a course with 
fundraising runners, charity runners, where you see on their bibs or on their shirts who they're running for, who they're running in memoriam to represent, who who they end to be alongside. Many who are currently undergoing treatment. Exactly. Exactly. But I don't want to dismiss the fact that it's still okay to be a competitive runner and oh, to participate yeah. in races, even though you may not be running on behalf of sure. an individual or, or an organization. That's okay too. It is a sport. Mm-hmm. And I never want to take away from that. It is pretty amazing. If you ask me 40 years ago, how many races are doing it for a charitable purpose, no hands would have gone up. Mm-hmm. Now you have 30 race directors in the room and you say, how many people in this room who races are raising money for charity? Every single hand will go up. There's hardly any races out there today that mm-hmm. I'm aware of that don't have some connection with a cause. And I so think that's great I, about that's running. Making people who otherwise maybe would not participate, make them feel welcomed. And I think running welcomes all types of run the the charity runner the ones who are running to improve their own fitness and the ones who are running because it is a sport so yeah. i think it welcomes all kinds and it's not discriminating it's funny you say that because when i talk about the logistics and operations of putting on a, a road race i said there's three races going on there's the front end, there's the middle, and there's the back end. The front end are obviously the elites, and they have certain needs that maybe the back end doesn't have as much. And you've got to set it up for them, whether it's lead vehicles, special fluids, whatever it might be. And then you have the middle of the pack. And a lot of that hardcore age group is looking to run well and win their respective age group, but they're not the elite per se. They're the elite within their age group, but they all take pride in their time and, you know, in their place within their category. And then you might have the third group, let's just call it, not the not the stragglers or the, or the joggers. I would never disrespect them in that regard. I'm just saying, then you have a third group. We refer that, to ourselves as the back of the pack. <laughs> yeah. Someone's got to be the back of the pack at some point, right? And Hey, listen, I finished last in the Boston Marathon the last 36 years in a row. So I know what it's like to be in the back of the pack. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But those folks, probably a majority of them are the charity runners, and they deserve to be treated just as well and respectful as those who cross the finish line first. Love hearing a race director say that. I do. (laughs) I was going to ask you, was there, did you ever have a moment as this started taking off where you went, holy crap, this is really a thing. Like this charity running is, this is big. I did. Did you have that epiphany? It was funny because when I first started my business of putting on races, people would almost ridicule me and say, you really think you can earn a living putting on races? And I said, I'm not just putting on races. Well, what are you doing? I said, I'm helping to raise the level of self-confidence and self-esteem of tens of thousands of people in America. That's what I'm doing. And Mm -hmm. I knew back in the late 70s, early 80s, that I just, based on what I was getting out of this sport, I I knew it was going to, it was going to catch on. I knew that people were going to, eventually believe in this industry. And the first boom was the competitive boom when Frank Shorter won the gold medal and then Bill Rogers was running really well. And so all the Americans were just exposing the sport to so many people and mm-hmm. that whole front end took off. Mm-hmm. Then the next phenomenon was was the charity involvement and that took off. And then the most recent, although it's been the last 20 some odd years, is the amount of women running in road races and marathons now. And when there were either none or 10% of the field were women, now I I would argue that there are probably 50% of my races 
40% of them anyways, that yeah. more women running in the race than there are men now. Oh, wow. Right? And so that too has obviously increased the field sizes of many of these events. Mm. Pretty amazing. Yeah. In your career as a runner, as a race director, as, as a charity runner, what do you think the most valuable lesson has been for you? As a race director, what that's funny because when people say to me, what's the hardest part about running a marathon? I'm like, well, the hardest part about running a marathon is signing the application. Mm-hmm. Having the courage and the guts to make the commitment. And then I truly believe in the next step is what I call earning the right. You can't just do it on a barroom bet. You gotta, you can't fake this. You have to earn the right. So you gotta do the work. You gotta do the work. You gotta train. You gotta be disciplined. And then you can toe the line. Mm-hmm. You toe the line, you answer the gun, you run the course, you cross the finish line, you get a medal, and magic happens. You go home feeling good about yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing more powerful in the world than to feel good about yourself because that's the very foundation by which we accomplish everything in our lives. And as an event director, I just feel proud and obviously satisfied that I'm able to provide those opportunities for tens of thousands of people to do that, to be able to set their sight on an event and then participate and the the biggest reward I get is seeing them walk away with a smile on their face, a tear in their eye, <laughs> a medal around their neck, and just truly feeling good about themselves. And as a runner, it happens to me all the time, right? People keep saying to me all the time, why do you keep doing these things? Like, why don't you, are 69, you've done all these things. Why don't you just relax? <laughs> Like, there's no time to relax. This is what I enjoy doing. And I, and I want to be relevant. Right? I don't want to just talk about the past. I want to talk about the present. That's why every year, I, when I was 12 years old, I think I, I started running my age on my birthday. I like so, this story. Mm. Yeah. So I was 12, I ran 12. And then when I turned 13, I'm like, what am I going to do today? And last year, I ran 12 miles. I might as well run 13, 13, 13, 14, 14. I've been doing that now for the last 57 years. And people ask me all the time, what the heck are you going to do when you turn 90? And I'm like, I don't know. First of all, I want to be breathing and then get out of bed. I don't know. I'll decide when I'm 90. What do I have to decide now? But for me, it's... My motto in life, my mantra has always been, it's my game, so it's my rules. And I'm not telling anyone what to do, what to think. I'm not going to lecture people, but I'm just going to share experiences. So for me, my life has always been about my game, my rules. And guess what? I can change the rules, right? So I always want to set up challenges and goals for success, not failure. I don't want to be reckless. I want to earn the right. And so the thing that taught me that the most is when I ran my first Boston Marathon and I didn't make it. And my grandfather was there and this, that whole story. And he had told me, he says, you didn't earn the right to do this. You set a reckless goal. And I learned that valuable lesson at the age of 17. And came back when I was 18 and actually did it. And I said to myself, I'm going to run this race every year for the rest of my life in honor and tribute of the lesson my grandfather taught me about earning the right to do these things. Mm. And I never dropped out of a, not only a marathon, but a road race. Again, it was like dropped out of my first Boston marathon, never dropped out of another one. And I've run it now 51 years in a row. So there's so many different lessons you learn when, when with running, for me, anyways. Yeah. Well, 
we you have amazing stories. You've had yeah. so many incredible experiences and we love hearing them, but I'm with you. I want you to talk about present a little bit. And you are presently supporting our fundraising efforts, as we talked about at the show open. Mm -hmm. You've also, for those that are our patrons who are watching the video, they can see on your puffer vest there, you've got the DMSE Sports mm -hmm. logo. And you also have uh, the Dave McGilvery Finish Strong Foundation. Would you tell the Runcation Nation a little bit about your organizations and what they do for others? Sure. Obviously, DMSE Sports, I've been around for a long time, directed probably or consulted on 1,500 events, everything from the Olympic Games in Atlanta, Salt Lake City, to U.S. Olympic marathon trials. I directed 2004, 2008, helped with 2012, 2016, um, the lead vehicle coordinator and the course co-director for next weekend's U.S. Olympic trials in Orlando. So I've been working on the Olympic trials in Orlando. I've directed world championships. I directed a triathlon world championship at Walt Disney World in Florida back in 1990. I directed races in Asia, South America, in the Caribbean, directed 150 triathlons around the world. I put on marathons inside Fenway Park, inside Gillette Stadium. I put on a marathon inside of a maximum security prison mm -hmm. in Walpole, Mass. The list goes on and on, right? For me, it's all about, again, putting on mass participatory athletic events. In the early years, it was just putting on the events, and now most of them are raising funds for worthwhile causes. The events that I have managed have raised well over $300 million for various charities. And so that's what I'm most proud of. And then with my own foundation, having run for so many different causes, I thought maybe I'll stop my own. And the foundation is based on three pillars. And I consider them the three pillars of life. And for me, those are health and fitness, education, literacy, and <clears throat> acts of kindness, giving back, philanthropy. Mm -hmm. And that's what I focus on. And I even have a program called the Dream Big Marathon Challenge. I wrote three children's books, Dream Big, Running Across America, and Finish Strong. And at the back of each of the books is the Dream Big Marathon Challenge. Because I don't want children to read the book and then just put them down and then, I don't know, go play ping pong. Mm -hmm. I want them to read the book and then I want there to be a call to action. I, I want them to act on what they learned in the book. So the act is challenging them to run 26 miles, see where that never come from, to read 26 books and to do 26 acts of kindness. And if they do that and they fill out the form and let me know what they did for acts of kindness, what books they read and all that, then they send it to me and I send them a letter and send them a, a medal for their accomplishment. And I have thousands and thousands of kids across America doing the Dream Big Marathon Challenge right now. So that's what the foundation pretty much is mainly all about. That's fantastic. I love yeah. that. I love it. Yeah. And so oh, that you've talked about, that's what's going on. Do you have any other big events that you have that you're working on that are that you're that are coming up that you want to highlight? The first folks that I'm saying this to, but so an exclusive here on the run eat drink podcast. Yeah, Is that I what know. I'm hearing? I haven't said it. Mentioned it publicly, but so I've run the Boston Marathon 15 years in a row during the day with everyone else. Then I got the job of helping to direct it in 1988. And since then, I've been directing it during the day and then running it after everyone else. And as I said, finishing last. So I've finished last the last 36 years in a row at night, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, whenever I'm able to start then it determines when I can finish. 
So it's a long day. But this year, I've been given the opportunity of actually starting off all the races and then jumping into the race for the first time in 36 years. So the last time I ran the Boston Marathon during the day, there were, I think, 7,000 people in the race. Now there's 30,000. And I've been there for every single one of them. But this will be the first time I'm running in the middle of 30,000 people. And I haven't done that ever. So this is going to be like a really epic Boston Marathon for me in April. So that's number one. Number two is running my age on my birthday. I turned 70 in August. And my hometown of Medford, Mass, this past September, named the high school track after me, which was pretty amazing. 50 years ago, I ran on this track as a young 16, 17-year-old high school student. Of course, little did I know back then that 50 years from then, they're going to name this thing after me. So I thought it would be kind of cool to run all my 70 miles on the track that they named after me and invite people throughout the day to jump in and, and run. So I'm conceptualizing that. And then lastly, I haven't done the Ironman. I did the Ironman in 1980 in Hawaii. And then I did it in 1983, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, and 89. So I did it eight times in the 80s. And then after I was diagnosed with coronary artery disease in 2013, I went back to Hawaii and did the Ironman in 2014. So that's nine times. And they invited me back to do it this year after I turned 70. So I entered the race. And so in October, the plan is to go back to Kona and do my 10th Hawaii Ironman. Wow. Those are just a few of some of the things I got planned for this year. I have uh, a producer who did the Boston documentary. He's actually uh, going to do a documentary on me. So he's going to film all the things I just talked about and then put together this whole inspirational documentary, which we would hope will be done by the end of next year. So that's pretty crazy to think that there could be an actual documentary, but. Oh, that's fantastic. I, well, I was going to say, see it in IMAX. We would love yeah. to, we can't wait to see it, <laughs> yes. but yeah. we'd love to also get you back on the show to maybe talk about some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. What your experience was like. Oh, gosh. I think that the, the, those all sound absolutely amazing and how fitting I think. That's just yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Question for you. Last pick dream big running across America and finish strong. These are all books that you've written mm -hmm. and donated to our fundraiser efforts for the Donna Foundation, which again, we talked about at the show open here. Can you talk a little bit about each one and what led you to write each particular book? Because uh, each one's got their own message yeah. and, and flavor. And I think that the Runcation Nation might like to know what your inspiration was. I think they all focus on a specific time of my life. And I think the last pick, again, being the more adult autobiography book, just talked about all these different things that I've been involved in, was able to accomplish up to the time the book was written. I'm in the process with a co-author writing another book that picked up pretty much where that left off. Mm -hmm. So that's being written now and we were hoping it could be done by April of this year for the Boston Marathon, but I think we still got some work to do. But there'll be another book coming out shortly. And uh, so the last pick is obviously overcoming hurdles is always another path. Mm. That's truly what the book is about. Just And again, everyone being able to identify with a lot of these challenges in life. And then Dream Big, which just talks about when I was little, but I had big dreams mm. and I didn't want them just to be dreams. I want, wanted them to be reality. People always say, oh, it's a dream come true kind of a thing. My, my goal is all my dreams to come true. That's why mm. I'm having the dream because I want to 
take it and and earn the right to do it and go do it. Dream Big is about my first two attempts at the Boston Marathon. And then running across America is pretty obvious. But they're all teaching books, too. They're not just books about a runner. They teach about the country or they teach about the Boston Marathon. And then Finish Strong is about the World Marathon Challenge and running seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. And it talks about the continents that we all ran on. And there's a lot of takeaways and nuggets of wisdom that I like to think that kids are able to extract from those books. The whole thing for me too is the last sort of reveal is this all began because I wanted to play second base at Fenway Park. That's all I that's all I wanted. I played second base in Little League. I played second base in Babe Ruth League, but I didn't make the high school team. I got cut and that hurt. And I went home after I got cut and I put a sign over my bed and the sign said, please, God, make me grow. And he must have been on vacation or something. He didn't make me grow, or did he? Right. And I look back on my life in retrospect and I said, son of a gun, he did make me grow because he made me grow in so many other ways. Right. Morally and ethically, spiritually and intellectually and mentally. He made me grow internally. Right. Because that's where it's all happening is who we are inside, not who we are physically necessarily. And that's why I started to run. But I still wanted to play second base at Fenway Park. And that's why when I ran across the country, I planned to finish in Fenway Park. Because I said, if I can't play in Fenway, I'm going to run at Fenway. And since then, I've run into Fenway Park on probably eight different occasions. All these, when I finished my East Coast run, running from Winnehaven, Florida to Boston, where the Taliban Bob Hall pushed a wheelchair 1,522 miles up the East Coast for me, again for the Jimmy Fund, we were at Fenway Park. And I did one of my birthday runs, finished in Fenway Park, and the list goes on. So my goal is to still play second base. We contacted the Red Sox and it looks like this coming April, I might play second base and go to a game. And I don't know how we're going to make it work, but the whole idea is to finally, after 165,000 miles, make it to second base. So I'm going to get out there, catch some grounders, play with some of the team members hey if i'm lucky sign a one-day contract and just the lesson here is no matter how long it takes you and how far you gotta go if you're vigilant and you're passionate about a specific goal there's always a way there's always a way what a wonderful message and what a wonderful way to end our interview with running luminary dave mcgilvery you can find dave and everything he's up to at davemcgilvery.com links yeah. in the show notes of course mr mcgilvery dave friend of the show oh. thank you so much for joining us on the running drink podcast this week we cannot thank you enough for spending time with us and for donating to our efforts yes to raise funds for the donna foundation this year I'll do anything for you guys. Dave, again, thank you so much for joining us. We hope to accomplish, explore, and indulge at a race with you very, very soon. He's such a great guy. He really is. It's just so much fun to sit and talk with him. And he gave us much more time than we had initially even mm-hmm. even planned for. Mm-hmm. So, and the things you didn't hear in that interview oh. were some of the technical issues that we had at the beginning and that he was just amazing. So to patient. Weather those with us. So Dave, thank you again for coming on the show. We're looking forward to having you back. Oh, and everything that he talked about that he has coming up, he is always looking forward. He's mad about town. Mm, looking forward. And he does If more, the world is his town. Of course. Yeah. The world is his oyster. The world is his town. I can't wait to see everything that he talked about. And I just, its it was just great to have him on the show again. And for him to donate to 
our efforts, it just means a lot. So that's why we gush about it so very much. Oh, yeah. And as we wrap up this interview, as we come out of it and we're gushing about him and what he's donated, he's not the only one. There are so many that have donated to our auction, like we talked about on the episode last week. Businesses, local and not so local, Mm -hmm. and organizations and individuals, patrons of our show, and one business that is not so local, but truly amazing, Magic Mind. Yeah, our friends at Magic Mind make the world's very first productivity shot, and they donated a 15-pack of their delicious and, I think, very effective productivity shots to our auction this year to give people an opportunity to bid on that and try it. What is the shot? You've heard us talk about it over the last several weeks. It's a little green elixir. Let's get fancy. Yeah, if you will. And, and it's helped both of us get a lot done. I know you've talked about it with the the benefits Mm. that you've gotten from focus. I've talked about it in terms of energy without the jitters of caffeine. It's become a part of my daily regimen of of Mm -hmm. supplements that I use. Yeah. And right now, as we are talking, we're a week away from the 2024 Donna Marathon weekend. It's been, it's hard to believe that this month is almost gone. Are you kidding me? I'm like, wasn't it just New Year's Eve? And then we turn around and wow, where did the time go? And you feel life is just on you're just in the fast lane and it's just going and you have a million things to do and a million things that you don't have to do, but that you want to do, you want to do. And I really feel like magic mind has helped me focus to get more done than I could have without it. So I, that ashwagandha for the stress relief Mm -hmm. and It's, yeah, to reduce the cortisol of, I I really need to get things done. And you put pressure on yourself. That's the stress hormone. Yeah. So it's really good in so many ways when time is evaporating to have that kind of tool in your tool belt, your tool belt. Yeah. And they're using these great ingredients. You mentioned the ashwagandha, lion's mane, cordyceps for focus and that, that boost of- what do they call it on the package? Flow state? Yeah, to you know, get you into Get a you flow into state. kind of a flow state. And being able to do that without feeling like you're ready to climb out of your skin, mm. I think is incredibly valuable. And we're so thankful. They've been sponsoring the show. Oh, yes. But like we've always said, we don't just do sponsorships. If we don't believe in it, we don't talk about it. We're thankful that we found them to partner with, and we're able to pass along some great deals to you guys. Mm. So you can get one month free when you sign up for a three-month subscription during the month of January, and time is running out for that. You can go to magicmind.com slash J-A-N, run, eat, drink. Mm -hmm. That's magicmind.com slash J-A-N, run, eat, drink, and then use offer code run eat drink 20 all one word run eat drink two zero mm. you get 56 percent off your first subscription or 20 percent off a one-time purchase and well. it works if you're already a subscriber too that's awesome and it's and there's one month for free right now when you sign up for a three-month subscription right but that time's but running it, out on that one yes so, so act now Yes, hopefully you're listening to this before the end of January. <laughs> Please go to magicmind.com slash Jan Run Eat Drink and use Run Eat Drink 20, the offer code. Thank you to everybody for Magic Mind for sponsoring this week's show. And so next week we will begin our recap of our return to the Disneyland races in California. Mm-hmm. And... So much to talk about there. That's what I was going to say. There's so much accomplishment. There is so much that we did in terms of exploring and indulging. We have so much to share with you. And we have some 
really great bonus content for our patrons too. We really do. So check that out. That'll be in the feed next week. But in the meantime, please don't forget to bid on our online auction items to support the Donna foundation. Go to facebook.com slash run, eat, drink podcast. Check out the album of items. Uh, we'll put a link to the Facebook album in the show notes. So you could just click on that link and go right there. Mm-hmm. Um, all you have to do to bid on the item is comment on the photo, what your bid is and the winning bid. Once you do your bid or once you make your bid and we tell you you're the winning bid, once you do your donation directly mm-hmm. to the Donna Foundation, then we can confirm that and get your item to you. And we'll put in that comment, when we declare you the winning bid, we will put that link in the comment for you to go to runsignup.com slash runcation nation 2024 to give your donation. Mm-hmm. And once we see that, we will get you your goodies. And there have been some amazing bids already from the Runcation Nation. So thank you. really have. For and, that. And I just like the fact that you guys are able to participate, do this, and see that 100% of the proceeds are going to the Donna Foundation. We're not taking a dime from this. Right. So get on, get bidding, yes. get those bids up. I think that we can really do a, a great number this year for the Donna Foundation. Mm-hmm. I think it will be more than last year. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. So thanks to everybody who donated and everybody who is bidding. And another final thank you to Dave McGilvery for coming on this week's show and for his donations. Check out his Mm -hmm. items at facebook.com slash running drink podcast. In the meantime, thank you guys for joining us in 2024 on your long run, your commute to work around the house or wherever you are. I'm your host, Amy. And I'm your co-host, Dana. Stay safe and well, and we will accomplish, explore, and indulge with you really soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We're having another great year thanks to your support. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're at Run, Eat, Drink podcast. And on Twitter, we're Run, Eat, Drink pod. You can also give us a call at 941-677-2733 or send us an email at info at runeatdrink.net. Visit our website at runeatdrink.net and click on the subscribe link so you don't miss a minute. Find out how you can support the show at patreon.com slash runeatdrinkpodcast. Accomplish, explore, and indulge right along with us. We'll talk to you next time.